everybody, and welcome to The Table Podcast. The Table is a church in Davenport, Iowa, where people are trying to move from greed toward generosity, from violence toward peacemaking, from isolation toward neighborliness, and from fear toward faith. I am Pastor Rob Leverage, and I'm sharing a sermon today on the parable of the sower, a great story that Jesus told. Um, My conversation partner and scripture reader today is Christy Elliott, one of my favorite people. She's going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Let's give a listen. Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. Such a large cloud gathered that he climbed into a boat there on the lake. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd was nearby on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. While teaching them, he said, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it scorched the plants and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked the seeds, and they produced nothing. Other seeds fell into good soil and bore fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced in one case a yield of 30 to 1, in another case a yield of 60 to 1, and in another case a yield of 100 to 1. He said, whoever has ears to hear should pay attention. All right, so this is the parable of the sower. That is not the name of the story. Jesus didn't give this story a name. It is a parable. It is a uh, a story that was told um, to illuminate some transcendent truths about God and about about the kingdom of God and the ways of God. And Jesus told this story. Um, we know it was really important to the communities um, of the first generation of Christianity because uh, this story is one of those stories that shows up in in more than one of the gospels in the New Testament. And it's a story uh, about a person who goes out into the field and sows seed, plants seed to grow crops. And some of the seed falls into areas where it is unable to grow. But some of it falls into soil where it can, you know, go deep, establish roots, grow and expand, uh, bear fruit and multiply. And so it's a story about a person who's planting seeds, you know, and I I think that's something that a lot of us can relate to. Uh, uh, Some of us garden, um, some of us farm. Um, A lot of us spend some time in in one way or another digging around in the dirt, you know, trying to make plants grow, trying to make food grow. And because of this, there's quite a few stories actually in the Gospels that we can relate to in a literal way, in a physical way, tangibly, um, because they talk about God's work in um, agricultural and horticultural terms. Um, If you, actually, if you, just for a thought, uh, just a fun, you know, something to do sometime, if you wanted to read the four Gospels of the New Testament, especially the the Matthew and Mark and Luke uh, in particular, if you were to just read them with an eye for this and count the number of times Jesus uses some kind of agricultural language, language about the earth, language about plants growing, seeds bearing fruit, that sort of thing, and just like l- make a list of how many times um, Jesus uses this to, to make some kind of point about God, um, it's actually 
fairly constant. He's based, this is the way that he talks in general. Um, and so, and so we can relate to that if we've dug around in the dirt a little bit. But I would say that even if we've never had anything to do with gardens, I've never planted a seed in soil literally. Um, I think that we're, we're comfortable with the concept. I mean, maybe, maybe you're an educator, maybe you're a parent, you could be like an older sibling or a coach or any kind of leader, you know, in the community. And you've probably had somebody tell you at some point that you are planting seeds, right? The, the work that you are doing is, is planting a seed, quote, you know, quote unquote, in the life of, of somebody else. And it's going to bear fruit someday. I, I've had people say that to me, and I've said it to some to, to other people, right? It's this idea that we contribute to other people's lives, and, and when we contribute, it's like an investment that we're making, and that investment grows and it results in good and important things coming about, like apples that grow on a tree that was planted long ago. And so we identify with the sower. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not difficult to do, but if you read the story in the Bible and you, you pay attention to just the way that it's set up, um, you quickly realize that when Jesus is talking about this sower, he's not talking about us, or he's not talking about the listeners to the story. Um, Jesus himself is the sower in this story. Or, or you might say that God is the sower in the story, but the listeners are not supposed to think of themselves as the sower. In this story, for example, the moral takeaway is not, be like this sower. He was such a good sower. He sowed so good. <laughs> Sorry. No, the takeaway is something quite different, right? Um, so the, the sower is, is throwing seeds out into the fields. And the hope is that these seeds will find purchase when they land on the ground and that they will take root and they will grow and they will bear fruit and they will multiply. So if the sower is God, um, what are the seeds? Um, it, this is all symbolism, right? So what are the seeds in the story? What do they symbolize? Well, Jesus says explicitly, uh, because he, he actually explains this parable uh, to his disciples, and he says that the seeds are the word of God, uh, the word of heaven, the truth of the gospel. And and so, okay, all right, if, uh, what is that, <laughs> you know? Um, if we say the truth of the gospel, if we say that the seeds represent the word of God, what exactly is that? Um, I always encourage people to ask these kind of questions, even if it makes you seem like, I don't know, um, maybe it feels like you're a troublemaker if you're reading the Bible and and it, it seems obvious to everybody else what's being talked about. And it doesn't seem obvious to you. Um, if Jesus says that the seed is the word, I think it's a great thing for us to ask, well, what is the word? Exactly. And unfortunately, I can't answer this question fully. I could talk for a long, long time about it. Um, I can actually talk for a long time about what these various things in the Bible mean. Um, but the answer that I come up with uh, would probably still would just not be complete. Um, but if the question is, um, what is the truth of the gospel that Jesus is referring to when he says that the seed is being thrown out by a sower, I do have what I would call a simplified answer that could at least be a starting point, okay? Even though I can't tell you a definitive answer. And I would say, from my point of view as a reader and as a lover of the Bible, um, that I think of that the word of God that Jesus refers to multiple times, and especially in this parable, the word of God is love. Now, that that's kind of a simple statement, um, but it's actually 
a, a pretty big and profound thing to contemplate. Um, love is a divine revelation, as as Jesus uh, describes it. It's not just a simple kind of like hallmark card kind of thing, something that's sentimental. No, actually, love is a revolutionary principle that really turns the world upside down the way that Jesus describes it. Um, love is this sort of um, sort of revolutionary countercultural um, idea. That that says that even in a broken world, um, compassion and healing are possible. Like it, it is possible to find our way home, even when we find feel lost. It is possible um, to uh, to forgive people, even when great harm has been done. And even in dark times, or times that are completely consumed by violence and despair, um, that there is there is a light breaking into the world. I mean, love is uh, a truly, truly revolutionary idea the way that Jesus um, uses it. And so this word of God, the seed that Jesus is throwing out, uh, hoping that it's going to take root, is love. This is the seed. Um, And it's a gift that you and I and all of creation receive. It's a God's love is for us. No matter what are the circumstances of our lives, no matter what mistakes we've made, no matter matter what we're going through, God loves us no more and no less than anybody who ever has or ever will live. But of course, this, this Love is not just a gift and a blessing, it is also a challenge, right? And that that that's the way it is with God. God gives us these gifts and these blessings, and we are enriched immeasurably by the things that we receive from God. But it's always a two-sided coin, okay? We never just get wonderful, lovely, special treats from God. Um, um, it's, it always comes with a challenge, and, and love pushes us as much as it blesses us. In fact, the, the push is part of the blessing. We, that's probably the way we should think about it, right? So we, the beloved, are also called, and in fact, it's not too strong of a word to say that we are commanded to love as we have been loved. We're called to love God with everything that we have. Um, We're also called to love ourselves, which is not always easy, and it's something that Christians often overlook, right? But especially, well, not most especially, but but equal to the other two commandments is we are called to love our neighbors. And in fact, in loving our neighbors, we often make the love of self and the love of God um, true and real. And it, it blossoms, right, in, in our reality, right? So not just, and the neighbor, by the way, is not just those in our physical proximity um, and not just those with whom we have a lot in common, but all people, because God loves all people equally, right? And so that's that's my simplified explanation. Uh, but I believe this love ethic is the truth of the gospel. It is the word of heaven, and it is the seed that God is planting throughout the world. Okay, so we've got this parable. Jesus is telling us this, this story. The sower in the parable is Jesus, or uh, the so you could say the sower is God, and the seeds are the word of God, right? God's love. So then, if we have a part in this story, who are we? Or or what are we in this story? You and me, the readers and the listeners of all of this, right? What what are we? Friends, we are the dirt. (laughs) We are the earth. 
We are the fields. We are the ground. We are the soil into which the seeds are sown. Right? We, we could call this passage the parable of the dirt instead of the parable of the sower. I mean, that, that, Jesus is calling us dirt. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, but Jesus called you dirt, man. Um, the moral of this story is not be like the sower who did such a good job sowing this seed. The message is be the kind of soil that God's word, God's love, can grow in and through. Now, there are some troubling (laughs) components of this parable and of the passage of scripture that it is situated in. You know, I, I always say there's no such thing as an easy piece of scripture. Even the ones that are really, that seem very straightforward and basic about like, oh God, does God love you? Yes, God loves you. You know, there's always something in there, whatever passage you're reading, and especially when you're dealing with stuff that Jesus says, there's always something in there that makes you uncomfortable or makes you just downright, like, terrified, (laughs) you know. So um, there are troubling components of this story as well. And one very basic feature of the story that makes me uneasy is, is that there are four types of soil listed and only one of them is the kind of soil that the seed can actually grow in. Did you notice that? I mean, I'm not that big of a math person, um, but if we are the soil in this story, it seems like the story is saying that like most people can't grow the seed that Jesus is sowing. Um, that, that, that makes me uncomfortable. Does that make you uncomfortable? Um, let's recap real quick. Um, Jesus names four types of sto- soil, and what are they in this, in this parable? There is the hard-packed soil, and that, that soil has been pressed solid in the path because people walk on it, right? And no seeds can get into that soil. They get crushed by people who are walking on the path or else birds swoop down and eat up the soil or eat up the seeds, excuse me, because the seeds are just laying there on top of the hard dirt, right? There's the rocky soil where seeds uh, seeds go in that, that area and they start to grow, but the rocks prevent strong roots from developing. And so if there is severe weather, scorching heat, uh, the young plants will wilt and wither because they don't have good roots. And then there's the weedy Uh, the weedy soil or the thorny soil where plants start growing uh, just like in the rocky soil but they get choked by all the other stuff that is growing in that area and then there's the good soil which is rich and deep it is free of impediments to growth and if a seed falls there it will take root it will grow and it will produce a great harvest so just just doing the numbers, right? It, it's a little worrisome to have Jesus list all these other kinds of soil where seeds can't grow before he gets to the one scenario where seeds can grow. And and so is he saying, you know, if we are soil, like, is he saying that most people cannot grow the, the seeds of God's truth and love? You know, that three out of four soils are no good? I mean, that's intimidating, I, I think. Um, and this question becomes even more stark when you consider that the way that the passage is constructed, Jesus tells this parable, right? This is the way the, the scripture passage is laid out. Jesus tells the parable, and it's kind of cryptic. 
and then he lets it just be cryptic, um, <laughs> right? And and then goes off and whatever. And who knows if people are just standing around scratching their heads or, or whatever. But later on, after he's done teaching this big crowd of people where he told the parable, um, his disciples come to him and they ask, uh, "Hey, uh, so." Uh, Jesus, um, what was the deal with that parable, <laughs> right? You kind of picture them like, like, you know, uh, off to the side, like, are, are you going to say it? Are you going to, you ask, no, you ask him. And they're like debating, right? And so they come up to him and uh, they ask him, you know, explain this parable to us. And then Jesus says to, to him, in effect, he says, all right, um, check this out. So most, most people are not even going to understand this. But I'm going to explain it to you because I know that at least you can follow what I'm saying. And then he tells them the meaning of the parable, right? But he, but he also says in this part, he says very clearly that he's using parables because he knows that people won't understand what he's talking about. Like, like that is the point. Only certain people will hear the word and comprehend it. Only certain people will receive the word and and have it actually make a difference in their life. Only certain people will accept the seed of God's truth, God's love, and allow it to grow. And this this is this is troubling to me. It kind of makes my skin crawl because truth be told, I've been conditioned to think about Jesus as as one who has a little bit more faith in humanity. Like Jesus believes as much in us right? As we are asked to believe in him. In fact, that was actually a slogan that was taught to me at a church camp. He said, they, they basically said that this was like all week long in the church camp. They had this like tagline that said, believe in God because God believes in you, right? And, you know, I guess I, that really got under my skin I, because I want to believe, that Jesus sees the whole human fa- family with all of our funky and dis- dysfunctional members and and believes that you know we are all within reach and so it it is troubling to me to hear that G- Jesus would say to his disciples you know a lot of this soil is no good right and a lot of people are not going to have ears to hear they don't have eyes to see the truth is not going to matter to them it won't make a difference no seed no, come on man no no seed is going to grow over there I don't, does that bother you yeah kind of bothers me um but i would say you know with this in mind it, it occurs to me that then the question that we should puzzle over is this. Um, do we think that Jesus is saying that you are whatever kind of soil you are? And that's that. Some people are good soil. Some people are bad soil. And that's it, man. Or is Jesus saying that you can actually become better soil. I mean, if the message is that bad soil is just a waste of good seed, period, right? But there's nothing really for you to do about it. Either you're good or you're bad, right? And if that is the message, the bottom line of this parable, then I I would say that this story is not good news.
It is not good news to say that only a minority of people are actually good, are actually worth anything, are actually capable of receiving the good news. But I I have come to believe that that is not the final message of this story. And I say that for a couple of reasons. First, I mean, this this story describes a sower, a farmer, who is intentionally throwing seed all over the place, right? And he's not just going over to the soil that he knows is good and satter- and scattering seed over there, right? Because this is he is the far- he, this is his field, right? So we we should expect that he knows his way around, right? He knows where the rocky patches are, and he knows where the thorns and the thistles are. You certainly know that he that he knows where the hard packed soil of the path is because he's walking on the path, right? So why would the sower be tossing seed in all the wrong places? I mean, is Jesus comparing himself to an incompetent, wasteful farmer? <laughs> is Jesus Christ the bumbling, oblivious sower? I, I don't think so. Jesus is described as a pretty conscientious person in the Bible, generally speaking. So I'm inclined to think that there would be a reason why he would throw seed into places where everybody knows it's hard to grow seeds, right? The sower throws seeds into all kinds of soil, right? But but let's think about that phrase for a second, all kinds of soil. Now, remember the types of soil that Jesus describes in this parable. He's got the packed soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil. Now, if you think about it, those really aren't, are not different kinds of soil, right? If, if you think about it from a 2019 American context, we're probably aware that, that dirt actually will be very different uh, from one place to another. Maybe there's a higher or a lower pH level or some, some places are nutrient rich or nutrient poor. Um, we think uh, you know, in our context of rich soil and poor soil, right? I myself have purchased a truckload of compost to be lit- delivered fr- to my home garden. This rich, lush, dark soil that you plant tomatoes in and they just go nuts, right? Um, but on the other on other end of the spectrum, this last year we we started a community garden and uh, we had this plant, this plot of land that was sort of donated. It wasn't given to us, but they let us plant the garden there. And and I have to tell you, this this dirt they have in this place was, was absolutely desolate and unforgiving. It was actually mostly clay. And so I'm digging these holes trying to plant a plum tree. And, and it's just so depressing. I'm shoveling out these scoops of this heavy clay muck. And in moments like that, when you're just struggling with this dirt, you can't help but think to yourself, gosh, this soil is bad. This is bad soil, right? I can't grow anything here. I I need some good soil. But thanks be to God, that is not how Jesus characterizes us at all when he describes the people of God as soil. He doesn't say there's some kinds of soil that just won't ever grow anything. Instead, he implies, and it is an implication, it is not spelled out um, directly uh, or or, uh, frankly, but he implies 
that all the dirt in the parable is the same in terms of its fundamental quality. It's all earth. I mean, if you ask the guy, what what kind of dirt do you have, Jesus? He would just say, it's all just dirt, man. It's just dirt, right? The difference between the, the, the different places where all the seed falls, the differences between these different areas of the field is about what's going on in the dirt, right? Some of the dirt is packed hard. Nothing can get into it, right? It's like throwing seed on a hard kitchen countertop, okay? But that doesn't mean it's bad soil. It's just packed down hard and solid, right? And some of the dirt is full of rocks. But that doesn't mean the soil is bad soil. It's just full of rocks. And some of the dirt is full of thorns. That doesn't mean that the dirt is is bad. It's just got a lot of thorns and thistles and weeds that are going to attack anything that starts to grow there. And so when you think of it in this way, the good soil is actually not better dirt than any of the others. It's just free of the impediments to growth that the other patches are dealing with. And so everything that Jesus describes in this parable that prevents seeds from growing into healthy plants and bearing good fruit is something that can be changed with focus and work and a little tender, loving care. It's not easy, but it can be done. So let's think about um, these different types of dirt. And and maybe there's one or more than one uh, type of soil that Jesus describes that, that you, you or I particularly relate to. Um, maybe I'm feeling lately like I'm the hard-packed soil, right? Um, Maybe I'm maybe trying to plant God's love here in my heart, in my spirit, is just like throwing seeds down on a hard surface, right? And if the soil is this hard, not only can it not take root in the dirt, but birds will just swoop down and eat up the seeds that get dropped because they're not taking root, right? Um, In this story, um, the birds are the devil. I love that. (laughs) The devil's a bird that's going to swoop down and eat the seeds out of your uh, heart, right? If my life, if my spirit is tamped down so solid and hard that nothing can get in, is there something that I need to do to loosen the seed? Loosen, excuse me, loosen the soil so that seeds can be planted there. Do I need more compassion in my life? Uh, Compassion for others, compassion for myself? What about honesty? Maybe I need to hear something that's painful for me to hear. Or maybe I need to acknowledge that, you know, I've got to improve at how I am handling this and this and this important things in my life. Maybe I need to do it better in my relationships or my work. Uh, Maybe I have to accept some critical feedback from somebody who knows me well, but I don't want to do that because my heart is like hard packed soil. And to loosen up that soil would require me to be vulnerable and to be willing to change, right? So there's a lot of ways that we can imagine loosening up the soil of our lives so that when the seeds of God's word fall on us, it won't just sit there waiting to get snatched away. And so that is the hard packed soil. And I think, and again, each of us has probably one kind of soil in this parable that really jumps out to us and makes us go, ooh, that's just like me, right? So maybe I 
I relate uh, in this particular season of my life to the soil that's full of rocks. It's full of obstructions, right? And the seed falls on the soil. The seed starts to grow. It really does. But because of all these rocks that are taking up space in this soil, the seed cannot grow strong roots. And as it grow, as this plant grows up, uh, the, the harsh weather, and in particularly it, it mentions scorching heat, right? Um, because there's no good strong roots in the dirt, uh, because of all the rocks, uh, this thing withers and it wilts and it withers away. And so if, if that is the kind of soil that I am relating to, I, I, I'm thinking about personally, what are these big rocks? What are these big obstructions that are taking up space in my soul? Something that it's so hard and so, so big that it crowds out and it, it crushes any good thing that is trying to grow in my heart and within my spirit. Now, if you're listening to this, you might be um, thinking of what that thing is for you. And I don't mean to presume what it would be for any person, but maybe I have some kind of deep-seated resentment or anger. You know, maybe there's some some disappointment or something that I'm jaded about or something that I'm deeply frustrated about, um, some kind of hatred even that I hold within my heart. These things, you could see how this could be like a rock, right? And if your life is a soil, this rock is taking up so much space that any good seed that falls and starts to grow would be choked and crushed by this rock. And so then the, the spiritual work that we have to contemplate is what does it mean for me if I have these, these obstructions in my soul? What does it look like for me to try to dig those things out and cast them aside. If you've ever actually dug in a garden and tried to free rocks from soil, you you know that it is hard work, right? And it's probably not something that you do in one moment where you put to bed some major rock that's been taking up space in your soul and get rid of it. Um, but it is something that over the course of time, you might you might come to understand that you can actually remove that rock and get rid of it, right? So then the last type of soil that, that where seeds struggle to grow that Jesus talks about in this parable is the soil that's full of thorns and f- full of thistles and, and full of weeds. And so in this soil, the seed falls, it starts to grow, and as it's growing up, its, its roots may be okay, right? And the dirt itself, as we said, is fine. But there is all of this stuff that this, this crud and this harm, these weeds and these thorns that are growing up all around it, that it chokes the weed and it chokes the, the plant that is trying to grow from the good seed. And in particular, Jesus actually adds a little bit of extra detail, not much, but he, he, he describes these weeds and these thorns as the cares, the many cares and concerns of the world. And he particularly uh, points out an obsession with money. So that is just something that so many of us will will have to say, you know, that is me, right? I I have filled up my life with so many concerns and so many wor- so many things to lose sleep over, right? That it is really easy for 
the seeds of grace and truth and love that God is trying to plant in my life, in my spirit. It is really easy for those delicate plants that are growing up to be choked by all this stuff going on. Now, sometimes this is a matter of just naively uh, filling up our lives with too many commitments, right? So many of us have a problem saying no. We say yes to everything and then turn around and look and you you see you've got 25 hours of commitments uh, for every single day of the week. And it it really needs to be a a matter of us uh, adopting a new level of discipline to, to draw the line and say, I'm going to do this wonderful thing and this wonderful thing, but I'm not going to do all those other wonderful things. I often, I, I have at times described my my personal life as like, I feel like I'm carrying this huge load of laundry up from the basement, but I don't have a laundry basket. And so I'm just dropping stuff all over the place. And, and you know, Thomas the Tank Engine underpants and socks and, you know, whatever. And, and it's just a mess, right? It's because it's too much. I can't hold it all, right? And, and that's a naive way uh, that we sometimes get in, into trouble. But uh, we might also need to take a harder look at what we consider to be uh, more fundamental life priorities, like what our career means to us, what kinds of status we're really striving for, um, how much uh, value we place on making money, having certain material possessions, uh, looking a certain way, and being able to uh, assess uh, our lives and the the level of success that we're having in our lives based on superficial things that require uh, us to to run around like crazy per- people earning enough money to pay for for things that might not be adding that much um, to our to our health and our well being and our spiritual growth and so. Our spiritual work in light of this parable is if we are the, the, the soil that is, that is full of thorns and thistles that are choking God's love that's trying to grow within us, right? Then we have to ask, what does it mean for us to clear this stuff out? To literally put on those heavy-duty gloves and, and sturdy jeans and go in there and start ripping out thorns, people. Right, I. This is a big part of my landscaping life, my 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 gardening that I do with my family. I'm not that great at, at planting uh, things that grow in the garden, but but I am the guy who pulls all the crap out of the dirt, and uh, you know that that as well is hard work. And unfortunately, if you have any experience gardening, you pull a bunch of stuff out, you pull a bunch of weeds and thorns and, and, and junk out of your garden beds and you look at it and you're like, wow, that looks really good. And then you turn around a few days later and there's more stuff growing in there. And that is the way it is with life too, right? That we, 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 need to, we try to clear out and make space and take a deep breath and, and take a day off. And, but it's something that we have to maintain a real focus on because it is very easy for new stuff to take up the space that you just cleared out, right? And and so no matter what kind of spiritual work we're doing because we relate to this kind of soil or this kind of soil in the church, this, this is a place where I always like to put in a plug for the church because as, as we've been talking about, there is, it's hard work to do this kind of um, care for the soil of our lives, whether we're trying to loosen up the hard packed soil, remove rocks, clear out brush and weeds, all these things are hard and it is hard to do on your own, man. If you're trying to turn over a garden bed by yourself, you can do it. 
You can, but it is hard. And when you have other people there who are supporting you and helping you and contributing to this work that you're doing in your life, it the work becomes much, much easier. And so I always recommend that that no matter how much Bible study you're doing on your own, no matter how much prayer, personal prayer, no matter how dedicated you are to living out your faith in, do, in activism and in service that you do, like all those things are critically important and I applaud people who really prioritize that in their lives. But I also recommend that people uh, connect with and invest in their lives in a, in a spiritual community where there are other people who are going to be challenging you and pushing you to tend to the soil of your life the way Jesus suggests that we all can. Because there is a promise in all of this, in, in all of this parable, right? That, that the dirt is just dirt and some stuff, some of the dirt in this farmer's field is really, it is a difficult environment for God's word to grow. But it is possible to clear out these impediments and these obstructions and these obstacles so that when the seed of God's love and truth is planted, it will find purchase in good soil. It will grow. It will multiply. It will bear fruit. This is the promise that is at the core of this particular parable that Jesus told. And so when we're thinking about our lives as soil, we need to give a a really sober focus to all of the issues that we're dealing with. How hard is the soil of my heart, right? And how many rocks and thorns am I dealing with? We have to look at that stuff without flinching and accept the fact that we've got issues, you know? But just as important is for us to really, really hear this message. My conversation partner this week is Christy Elliott, a member of our church here at the table here in Davenport. For you and I'm really pleased to have you here talking about the parable of soil. I'm happy to be here too, and this sermon really, really spoke to me. Yeah, how so? What's going on with this this message? Well, the Bible is so relatable. I mean, if you look at the metaphor with this, I probably have had all four types of soil. In my life. You've, you've been all four times. Yes. Okay, so when were you... Okay, uh, in the beginning, you know, I mean, they're talking about how the seed was just all over and they got the birds take took it away. Yeah. When I was younger, you know, I was experiencing a lot of issues and problems and everything, and I couldn't get the word really for myself, let alone really spread it around. And so anything I tried to tell people about God, which I've always wanted to share God with other people, Uh really didn't stick there because I was not behaving in the way I should. Are you saying that at times you've tried to give people a seed and it didn't take root with them? Right. And then that makes you think of it all the times that you couldn't receive the seed yourself? Yeah, kind of. But also I'm saying that I, because of who I was back then uh-huh. and people observing how I was, it was kind of like they really couldn't believe what I was uh-huh. saying because I wasn't walking the path. So that, that adds a whole different dimension to this, which is 
not even exactly what Jesus was talking about, but it's it's undeniable once you think about it, which is that, you know, God is planting seeds, I guess you could say, through all of us, right? But it the kind of soil you are at the moment affects like sometimes other people's ability to receive what you have to offer to them. Yes. You know? Yes. Or if or if you can't, if you're not in a position <laughs> to receive the good seed yourself, um, how would you expect to be planting seeds in other people's? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, what about the rocky soil? Okay. Then the rocky soil for me was during my period of going through alcoholism. Mm. You know, and um, for me at that time, I had had some problems with religion altogether, Mm. you know, and then and then, you know, when I was when I started a program of recovery, I I had so much to weed out in myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to work on myself. I had to become more willing to allow God to work with Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and everything before I could really give anybody anything else, mm-hmm. you know. I, I know, I know in, in the program of recovery, that emphasis on looking at your own life without sentimentality, without making excuses, right? Exactly. Without trying to avoid responsibility. If you're going to put it on the, the, uh, the metaphor of a gardener, like a gardener can... You can blame the weather. You can blame whether or not you're getting enough sun or whether or not the rain is, is helping. And all those things are true. I mean, there are lots of external factors that, right. that face, that affect, you know, how well your garden grows. But there's also taking responsibility. And if you need to spend time in your garden digging out rocks, like if you're not willing to do that, then you can't exactly blame you know, the sun, <laughs> right? You know, because exactly. you're not doing your part. That's my, that's yeah. my point. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, when it comes to the thorns, yeah, for me, I had to weed out people. Mm-hmm. I remember somebody telling me a while back, I had a lot of people in my life that were not good for me mm-hmm. and were really kind of tearing me down and bringing me down and whatnot. What I had to do is clear out my nest. Hmm. And I had two people tell me, you need to clear out your nest because they're not helping you. They're not, they're making your life worse. Yeah. You know, so for me, it was a process of letting go of people. Wow. Had to let go of people without, you know, any anger or resentment, just the sense of this is not where we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be in fellowship at this time because it's not healthy right now. Wow. You know, and I've had to clear out my nest, you know, and it took time. It took a lot of time because some of them were very persistent about keeping me in their lives, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and others, you know, it was really easy, you know, which I was really happy that that went Mm -hmm. that way. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just mutual agreement. Yeah. But um, once I had cleared out my nest. Yeah. Then I had the good soil. Well, yeah, and it, it, I was just thinking about this as I was putting the finishing touches on the sermon. I made this point at the end about this idea, like you could pull out all the weeds and pull out all the thorns and stuff and you look at it and it's all clear and you're like, oh, awesome, you know. But it, the, the thorns come back. Oh, yeah. The weeds come back. 
And for you to think of like that in terms of relationships, it's like you don't just have one good conversation with somebody. If there's like trouble in your relationship, you don't just have like one clarifying conversation. You put all this stuff to no, rest. absolutely no, no, not. This is like an ongoing <laughs> yeah. challenge. And, well, and for yeah. me, for me, it's been an ongoing thing. I must take inventory. I must. Mm-hmm. I must look at my garden. I must see what's there. If it's in me, you know, there's something in me that I need to root out or weed out or, you know, get rid of some rocks or whatever. You know, that's something I need to do. Right. You know, and I need to be prayerfully considering what's going on in myself. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's been something that's been very important for me for a long time. Right. I mean, I'll say like when I have been working in the garden or working in my yard or something, I have never uh, shed a tear, let's say, over pulling out weeds. Like I pull out a weed and I'm like, good riddance, you know. But when you you have people in your life that you care about and maybe you've got some history together where you've – it's really meant a lot to you that you had these people in your life and yet you recognize at some point that this is a really problematic situation and I've got to clear space in my life and I just can't abide by having th- this particular relationship is really choking, right? The, and it the, was, the, yeah. Right? Uh, the good things that are trying to grow, right? Absolutely. And so I've got to clear that away, but that's not just as simple as weeding in a garden, you know, because you this is a human being and you've right. got a, a real relationship together. And see, my problem was always, I don't want to hurt this person. Right. And but I do I, want to hurt weeds. <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> well, I, okay. when I'm pulling out the weeds, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. you, know, you know? But it's like, for me, I was so passive with people all my life for such a long time. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to hurt people. Even if they were hurting me every day, I still did not want to hurt them because I, and I can remember at one point looking at somebody when they were sleeping Mm -hmm. and feeling, you know, they looked so innocent, but boy, when they were awake, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But feeling that innocence in that person and thinking about the person that's really inside of them, Mm -hmm. it hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so... For me, it was an emotional journey, and it was also kind of uh, an uplifting journey over the time because I kind of figured out, for me, I need people that are in my life that are very similar and like-minded to where I want to be, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes I, I used to think it was selfish, yeah, but I, I realize now that it is not good to have people in your life that are not anywhere near being like-minded to where you're at spiritually. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, it just doesn't work. Right. Mm. You know, and that's what I've had to look at. Right. And I continue to do that with different people, you know, different yeah. situations. Right now I am blessed because I think most of the people in my life are really, really awesome people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very yeah. happy about it. Right. You know, it's never been so good for me. Right. You know, it's kind of like at the, you know, I think I was kind of a late bloomer. I mean, here I am at 63 and I'm having the best time of my life, really. (laughs) (laughs) It's never too late to have the time of your life, right? Um, So, but the, uh, the, this idea that like you're going to take responsibility for 
um, making sure your soil, the soil of your life, your spirit, your heart, your soul, that soil is going to be as good and ready for the, the good seeds to grow as you can possibly, it, so long as it depends on you, right? You're going to pull the weeds, you're going to sift out the rocks, and you're going to turn over the hard-packed soil. Right? right. And, you know, having that, I don't know, uh, when you think about other people that you know and that you care about, like, what does it mean for us to support them in doing the same thing with the soil of their lives? Well, right? yeah, um, I because think... Because at the same time, you're trying, you're not trying to let somebody else prevent you from being well, right? right. And from tending to your own soil. Right. right. But you, you want, you want to support and help them pull the rocks and the weeds and everything out of their soil. Um, and yet you've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to be mindful of both, I guess. You right. Say. So yeah. how do you think about that? Well, I guess I, the best way I can go back to, I go back to recovery programs because that's kind of where it started for me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sponsor somebody in the program, you know, mm-hmm. it is a twofold benefit. Yeah. Because I am helping that person to get, grab the concepts of the spiritual aspects of the program mm-hmm. along with reminding myself. Mm-hmm. It's like it kind of, how do I want to put it? It, it kind of boosts what I already know huh. and yeah. reminds me, you know, and gets me back to basis. Everybody in the program, when you come in, they say, if you feel like you, you're you going to relapse, yeah. work with another alcoholic. Huh. Wow. Yeah. You know? Because it will, it not only helps them, but it edifies within you mm-hmm. what you have been working with. Mm. And, and actually, it magnifies my awareness wow. of where I am at and mm-hmm. where I want to stay, mm-hmm. you know, and then possibly where I want to go to. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because sometimes you think you've got somebody in your life and you're going to, you're going to help them out. And, or maybe you feel like, I don't know if the Lord puts it on your heart that you're supposed to call this person and, uh, or pray for them or take them out for coffee or something. Right. And you, you really think that it's a one way thing that you're doing for this other person. Right. But after you have whatever conversation or interaction that you have, like you realize how much you were served and you were blessed by that encounter. And you're like, Oh wait, maybe like God was sending me to that person to receive help. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess those are those kind of unexpected uh, treasures that yeah. we, we find when we sort of follow like the the lead of love mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and you have to be aware you have to be aware because you know yeah i know that for me i have to always be willing right. i have to be willing yeah to let god show me where i'm supposed to be sowing yeah and it's it, you know it's a real dance with this kind of stuff you, you know it's there's a lot of tender nuance here and you're not really always sure exactly how to handle this stuff or, or think about this stuff. But like a big breakthrough for me with this parable was I, I've preached a bunch of sermons on this parable over the years, but 
this last time I was reading it, it was, was the first time I ever thought about the fact that, um, that the sower is throwing the seed everywhere, you know, and that we've got all this soil that is being, that is clearly understood to be, this is a bad place for seeds to grow. Right. The seed won't grow very well here. And yet he's, or she is just clearly just throwing the seed over there, right. you know? And so there's this like belief or some, there's some kind of trust or faith on the part of the sower that it's, it's like, That'll come. It's not a waste just because there's a lot of issues and problems and trouble over here. And chances are the seed's going to be snatched up by the birds. I get it, you know, but I'm still going, but I'm still going to treat this soil over here the same way that I treat the good soil. Exactly. You know, and so, but then you, you try to balance that with this idea that I'm like, got to weed the soil of my life. And like, I don't want these, the problematic people, you know, like mucking up this, you know, I'm trying to grow some good, good, good plants here out of the good seed, you know? And it's like, like, it's like a pendulum that goes back and forth. Like, which is it? Am I supposed to just invest wildly and to everybody and everything or am I supposed to draw clear boundaries and not let people cross the line and you know it's it's a challenge yeah you know I think the discernment is really important yeah you know um I have made mistakes in that mm-hmm. over the years and I I and colossal ones sometimes mm-hmm. but uh but the discernment of you know of is this really a place that I want to go Mm-hmm. Do I really want to go here? Mm-hmm. What's going to, you know, because sometimes it, you can end up getting really, really hurt badly mm-hmm. in certain areas with people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, I just have to trust that God will protect me in those instances. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been very fortunate for the last few years to have really good people in my life. And I've been very happy about that. Yeah. And I've also learned to discern sometimes where I just don't want to encourage somebody too much. Yeah. Cause it might be right. Not so great. Yeah. You know, so maybe the bottom line <laughs> for this is like the sower is coming, you know, the sower is going to be scattering these seeds mm-hmm. and you you are dirt and you are sitting there and and this seed is going to going to fall on you mm-hmm. you know it is and uh, the seeds of grace and truth and you know however you want to articulate that mm-hmm. they're coming right and so if if you <coughs> if you will do whatever work you can do on your own bit of soil that is your life we are promised that this seed is falling on our lives. Right. And, and we are promised that it will grow. Right. If we care for this soil, it will grow. Yes. Now that doesn't mean that we won't ever have any issues. And obviously if the, if we, if you make the soil good, right. Um, weeds are going to want to grow there too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, but I, you know, so the promise is not that we are, you know, if you can be a really good person, you know, challenges and obstacles and frustrations and, and, and dark days and, you know, issues and baggage are not going to happen. Right. Um, but the promise is that like, make your seed, make your soil ready and the good seed will, will germinate and, yeah. and grow. Yeah, yes. It will grow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
you know, that then your faith starts growing and it's right. exponentially with that, you know, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. And and what's cool about that, then too, when you think about it, it's like, if you think about what am I supposed to do here? According to this parable, what you're supposed to do is uh, clear away to the greatest extent possible the obstacles to growth. Right. Turn over the soil, uh, get the rocks out and pull out all the weeds and the thorns and everything. Right. right. Um, those are not you're not actually making anything grow. No. All you're doing is taking away things that yeah. prevent growth. We're preparing. Right? So like from a faith point of view, like, you know, we don't have to stress about like, what do I have to do to make God's love take root and, you know, grow right. in my life? You don't actually make it happen. No. All you do is Prepare. take away the stuff that that is preventing it from. Happening, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of my life has been about subtraction yeah wow you know subtraction 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 and now as things have progressed for me it's gotten more into the addition 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 love it <laughs> you know yeah but you have to get rid of things that are you know doesn't serve you mm -hmm. you have to get rid of the stuff that doesn't serve you it's so important because your life is never going to be peaceful if you don't. Yeah. Well, Christy, thank you very much for being a part of this. Oh, uh, I this enjoyed is, it. You know, I'm really glad to have this conversation with you. And you, people who are listening to this cannot see, but you always got this huge grin on your face. <laughs> it brightens up the room. And I'm thankful uh, for you. And I'm, I'm thankful for this story. So I think we're both richly blessed. Absolutely. Just, just to have this time to, to talk about ancient words. Uh, Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to The Table Podcast. If you're anywhere near the Quad Cities and would like to worship with us, uh, we get together on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Davenport. You can get more information about that. Or if you'd like to uh, leave a gift uh, for The Table uh, to support the ministry that we do, you can do that at our website, thetableqc.com. Thanks, everybody, and God bless you.